Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada promises to send more weapons to Ukraine. We are announcing that we will be supplying Ukraine with anti-tank weapons systems and upgraded ammunition. Of course, this is in addition to our three previous shipments of lethal and non-lethal equipment. The Canadian government reacts to veiled nuclear threats from Russia. We also stand ready, of course, with our NATO allies if there were to be a breach and an occasion to invoke Article 5 of the Washington Treaty, which states essentially that an attack on one is an attack on all. And Jean Charest will meet with Conservative MPs in Ottawa this week amid speculation he plans to run for the party leadership. Jean Charest is inclined to seek the leadership of the party, but is waiting to see the rules of the race before he makes that a final decision. It's Tuesday, March the 1st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Christy Kirkup from the Globe and Mail. Christy, good morning. Good morning, Mark. Let's talk about what Canada is doing to help Ukraine. Uh, The government made some announcements yesterday about sending more uh, equipment and weapons to that country. Uh, Just walk us through what Canada is doing to help and what the government is saying about it. So I think the federal government, Mark, is really trying to signal on a continuous basis that it's it's going to continue to up the ante, if you will, in terms of its announcements. Uh, on Monday, uh, the Prime Minister coming out with a number of cabinet ministers holding a news conference uh, saying that Canada is going to be supplying what's called anti-tank weapons and upgraded ammunition to Ukraine. Uh, of course, uh, amid concern uh, about uh, the, the war that is going on on the ground in Ukraine. And it, it is also the Canadian government is banning imports of Russian crude oil. Um, and at this news conference, the Prime Minister spoke, I think, very strongly in that he was saying that, you know, Vladimir Putin, uh, the Russian president, has made uh, what he called, uh, you know, a grave miscalculation uh, that perhaps uh, Vladimir Putin thought uh, that the West was going to be divided um, and that uh, there wasn't going to be significant pushback, that it was somehow going to be easy uh, for Russia to invade Ukraine. And uh, he's um, suggesting that is very much not the case and that Canada is going to continue to essentially accelerate uh, what it is going to do um, as uh, this um, concern continues. Canada also um, has... Uh, you know, made previous announcements such as sending uh, weapons and non-lethal support uh, to Ukraine. We also have seen, for example, uh, a number of sanctions, including support for the removal of Russia from what's called the SWIFT system. That's for international bank payments. So, um, again, um, kind of more in keeping with this hardline approach uh, that Canada is at least trying to deliver uh, to send a strong message uh, to uh, Vladimir Putin. And is there... A sense of what impact this is having, and, and Canada, of course, is working with other countries on this. And there's there's been widespread international pressure. Uh, there's been a, a lot of of discussion, and there have been speeches at the UN, including from Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray. Uh, and and I know that there's been we've seen the economic impact in the short term. The uh, the value of the ruble has declined significantly, um, but is there a sense of how effective these measures have been so far? 
Well, I think to date, um, you know, Vladimir Putin is certainly not giving any public indication that he's going to be backing down. And I think that is tremendously concerning for officials, of course, in Canada, but um, in other countries, including the United States. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any indication, at least at, at this point in time, uh, that there is going to be, again, a, a position reversal of, you know, Vladimir Putin uh, talking about uh, a nuclear threat um, to which, uh, you know, Bob Ray essentially was saying that this is this is a tactic um, and that, you know, we cannot back down in in the face of this threat because his point essentially was that that is exactly what it is. It it is a threat. Um, Just to drill down a little bit on the piece that was announced on Monday in terms of um, the the banned imports on Russian crude oil, um, you know, Obviously, that does carry financial consequences. Um, For example, Canada imported around um, uh, $228 million worth of Russian energy products um, in 2021, so last year, according to StatsCan. So I think that, um, you know, that is another example, at least according to the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland, in terms of, you know, where uh, the government is trying to kind of direct uh, policy decisions to frankly put the screws um, as much as it can to, to Russia, um, but to answer your original question, um, no, I, I don't think we're we're seeing any change. And frankly, I, I think that is um, of concern uh, to mm-hmm. um, to allies as well. Yeah, um, and and I gather it sounds as though what we've seen over the last few days, in particular, there's sort of a daily escalation of measures from Canada and from other countries in the West that are trying to put pressure on on Vladimir Putin and on Russia. Uh, was there any sense of what else Canada has at its disposal, what other measures it could bring into play, and um, and how, f- how prepared Canada is for this to escalate further? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the, the things in terms of kind of the realm of defense is that, you know, the, the government has um, kind of, as you said, kind of made these incremental announcements, um, you know, coming out on the daily, it seems, uh, to, to try and point to more actions that it's taking um, with, uh, on Monday, the Defense Minister Anita Anand talking about, you know, sending even more lethal aid to Ukraine, um, uh, sending things like 2,000 rockets. The, the question um, that came up in the context of this news conference, and this has kind of been a question that's come up quite a few times, is you know could could we see uh, members of the Canadian Armed Forces on on the ground in Ukraine? To which, of course, Canada um, has been very clear, and the U.S. has also made this very clear that the intention is is not uh, to to send um, troops specifically into Ukraine. Canada has said that it's essentially going to be providing supports and. We know that the foreign affairs minister is going to be um, on the ground on Tuesday um, at the border between Poland and Ukraine um, as an effort to try and make sure some of those um, items that are being transported uh, to, to the region are, are making it into the appropriate place. And of course, trying to send a, a signal that, that Canada is, is watching what is unfolding on the ground. Um, Anita Anand at the news conference on Monday did make it very clear that, you know, um, as a member of NATO, that Canada is um, essentially looking at uh, deterrence and taking steps that are in keeping with NATO's mission. 
but that according to Article 5, as it's known of the Washington Treaty, that if there is a breach um, that would invoke that Article 5, um, essentially if a NATO country was to be attacked, that an attack on one is an attack on all. And that is something that Canada is actively preparing for, Mark. And I think that that, frankly, is a, is a major concern in terms of this whole discussion around, you know, people wondering, yeah. is is this, um, you know, World War Three? Well, we haven't seen, again, um, uh, a NATO country um, be invaded, but there, there are certainly um, discussion going on behind the scenes about what would happen if that was to take place. And, and the minister speaking to that at this news conference on Monday. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens today with all of that. Um, let's turn to a more domestic story, and that is that former Quebec Premier Jean Charest is expected to be in Ottawa later this week to meet with some Conservative MPs, and that, of course, has increased speculation that he will enter the leadership race, which so far has only one declared candidate, and that's Pierre Poilievre. Um, what are you hearing about this and, and how serious Jean Charest might be? Well, it seems, um, you know, that he's certainly flirting with the idea of this. Um, we understand uh, through uh, reporting that has been done by um, my boss, Robert Fife, that, uh, you know, Jean Charest is inclined um, to seek the leadership of the party, but is waiting to see the rules of the race before he makes a, a final decision. And that's um, uh, Bob's reporting, according to a, a source um, close to Jean Charest. Um, there's also an effort to try and get him to enter uh, the race. We saw Gerard Deltel, uh, of course, a prominent Quebec uh, Conservative MP, essentially urging Jean Charest to, to get in the game yeah. um, and, and talking about the fact that he believes that um, you know what Conservatives need in their party is someone to um, rally people to, to join them, as uh, Deltel describes it, saying that it's necessary to unite the party and, and attract people to the party. Um, of course, you mentioned uh, Pierre Polyev, uh, the, the only candidate so far in this race. Um, uh, you know, it was interesting to see Jenny Byrne, a former top aide uh, to Prime Minister Stephen Harper, who has um, been supporting Pierre Polyev. She came out, um, you know, essentially attacking Jean Charest, tweeting that as uh, Quebec's premier, he was opposed to Stephen Harper's move to do things like dismantle the gun registry, that he brought in a carbon tax, that he worked for um, uh, Huawei Technologies uh, while uh, two Canadians were detained in Beijing. Um, so should Jean Charest decide to enter this race, again, we can already see that the tension mounting even at the idea of him entering the race. Yeah. I think that... Um, the idea of, you know, Pierre Polyev versus uh, Jean Charest could, um, could, it could be quite a forceful battle if, if we're seeing, again, early indications that there's this kind of strong pushback even to the notion that, that he might be, um, again, uh, considering a, a bid uh, for Conservative leader. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with that this week. Christy, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Great to speak with you, Mark. Thanks. That's Christy Kirkup of The Globe and Mail. In terms of the Canadian Arms Force, Armed Forces themselves, of course, we are participating in NATO reinforcement activities as part of Operation Reassurance. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. 
In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues, we can't recklessly bring ourselves closer to the brink of a global war. The Sun writes, plans to ban the import of Russian crude oil and send more weapons to Ukraine are all good developments, which most Canadians will support as they watch what has become an indiscriminate assault on Ukraine by Russian forces. Canada's added support for welcoming here those who wish to escape is also positive news. And while there are those who would wish that Canada would get involved militarily, that's just not in the cards. For now, the goal of strengthening NATO military presence in Poland, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania is the right one. At iPolitics, Michael Koren argues, condemnation of Putin's invasion of Ukraine must be universal. Koren writes, Suddenly, everybody's an authority on Russia and Ukraine. Problem is, even genuine experts are baffled by the situation most of the time. What I find fascinating, however, is the refusal to condemn Vladimir Putin, even a willingness to support the man from two radically different sources, the hard left and the hard right. Their reasons are intriguing, even if their thinking is erratic and tainted. It's fascinating how often extremes meet in a dark, unpleasant coalition. But most of us know when a wrong has been done. It's been done to Ukraine, and I pray this great nation can find freedom once again. In the Hill Times, Michael Harris argues the United States is not coming to Ukraine's rescue. Harris writes, How do you deal with a madman with 4,500 nuclear weapons who has invaded a sovereign, democratic country? In the old days, the world would have looked to the United States. But now the U.S. president is starting to wear the potential fall of Ukraine to Russian invaders, abandoning a free country to a war criminal. As Vladimir Putin calculated, Joe Biden decided very early that he wouldn't send U.S. troops into Ukraine. His answer was sanctions, or what Putin would see as mush. People in Biden's own party don't think his response to the invasion was adequate. They are right. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. Minister of Official Languages, Jeanette Petipa-Taylor, will hold a news conference to discuss the modernization of the Official Languages Act. International Trade Minister Mary Ng will speak at a BMO panel focusing on female business owners. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will meet with the Canadian Home Builders Association. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Ottawa. And Green Party Interim Leader Amita Kuttner will hold a news conference to speak about the latest report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March the 1st. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.